Hi guys, this is Abby with the Smooth Kitty. Let's get into it. Hello everybody. Welcome back to the Smooth Kitty podcast. Today we're going to be going over skin analysis and the objectives that I will be going over are identifying skin types, skin conditions, explaining the causes of skin conditions, understanding how UV radiation affects the skin. Again, UV is ultraviolet radiation, explaining the healthy habits for the skin, determining the treatment contraindications. Contraindications are things that individuals or clients are not able to have done to them due to them having like say HSV1 or open lesions on their skin, extreme rosacea, that's a contraindication to some certain services. And then conducting a client consultation. Again, these should be pretty in depth, especially for their first visit. We want to make sure we have all their medical history, just their skin history in general. Again, it's going to help with further services. Filling out a skin analysis chart and then performing a skin analysis. So we have skin types and genetics. Skin types are determined by genetics and ethnicity, so it is hereditary. They are based on how much oil is produced in the follicle from the sebaceous gland and on lipids found between the cells. So that's how skin types are generally um, named if it depends on how much oil is produced within the pore. So the T-zone is the area above your eyebrows and then down your nose and to your chin. The center area of the corresponding to the T-shape is by the forehead, nose, and chin. The size of the pores also helps determine skin types. Normally, a lot of people have within the T-zone larger pores and on, on their cheeks, they'll have smaller pores and that usually indicates combination skin types. And whenever actually people do say, I have combination skin, that is very hard to treat as an esthetician just because you don't know exactly what to treat. So I always make sure to say, are you more oily than dry or dry than oily? And normally people will tell me they're oily or they're more dry. And so myself, I have combination dry. I am more dry than oily. And then, so for the skin types, we have four. Um, some people will say we have five skin types, but one of them is actually a condition. It's not a skin type. So the four are dry, normal, combination, and oily. Dry skin is alipidic, which lacks oil, has small follicles. Sebum is minimal or oil is minimal. Needs extra care. Natural oil secretions and follicles help protect us from environmental damage and aging. Dry skin lacks this normal protection. It is also more sensitive. The acid mantle and barrier function are not as healthy due to the lack of lipids. Lipids are fats. So more on dry skin. Texture will be rough and tight. Stimulating oil production and protecting surface are imperative. And I will be talking more about these three, um, what's it called, products. It's, I do an acronym. It's like HO, humectants, occlusive, and emulsives. Emulsives? I think that's it. So for dry skin, we need to use occlusives. They are products 
are thick and lay on top of the skin, reducing TUOL, which is transepidermal water loss, T-E-W-L, which holds in moisture and protects the skin's barrier layer and combats dryness. Moving on from like dry versus dehydrated skin, what's the difference? A lot of people don't know if their skin is just dry or if it's dehydrated. So dry lacks oil and absorbs products so quick, like immediately. Dehydrated skin lacks water, looks thin and flaky and sometimes described as crepey. All skin types can be dehydrated, even oily skin types. Those Sometimes it is harder to um, analyze that as an esthetician, but it is always nice to have clients with oily skin but dehydrated skin at the same time so that they know and understand what it looks like. Okay, we have combination skin. The T-zone is oilier. oilier. Once again, the T-zone is the, <clears throat> excuse me, the upper eyebrows and then down the nose and then on the chin. A lot of times you'll see a lot of the pores are larger and it's more congested. Okay, sorry, I need to take a little water break. It's a lot of talking, it's okay. Um, outer face can be normal or dry and appear flaky. So once again, combination skin is a combination between dry and oily. And the outside of the face, like the cheek area, will be have like smaller pores and less oil. Requires more care than normal skin. So that means combination skin requires more care. Proper maintenance is required. The oil-water balance must be achieved, and that's the goal is to achieve that balance. So what we want with combination skin is mild water-based products work the best. Again, if they have drier skin, when they have combination skin, you want to work with creamy cleansers, something that's going to add oil back onto the skin. And if they are oilier than the dryness on their skin, then you'll want to balance out that oil and take off the excess. Okay. So then next we have normal skin. Normal, we have follicles are normal size, not too big, not too small. Follicles are not that visible towards the cheek or outside of the face. Follicles are also known as pores, just so you know. Maintenance and preventative care are the goals for this type of skin. So those with normal skin, I normally recommend my clients to come in once a month for that maintenance and preventative care. Um, Sensitive skin is that one skin type that people think it's a skin type. For me, I think it's a skin concern. It's not necessarily a skin type just because oily skin can be sensitive and that's a skin concern, not a type. But again, that's just my opinion. Other people can have a different opinion and that is totally okay. So a sensitive skin, the skin is fragile, thin, and has redness. Flush is really easy, not as visible on dark skin, Easily irritated by products and heat or sun exposure. Cooperu skin, and I'm sorry if I totally butcher this word, but it, I, th- I think it says telangiostasia, which is like spider veins on the face is noticeable. Can result from age and or medication. 
And then we have oily skin, has excess sebum, prone to blemishes, follicles are larger and contain a lot of oil, requires more cleansing and exfoliation. Excuse me, I'm sorry, I'm like burping, it's weird. Okay, so for oily skin clients, I normally recommend a gel or foamy cleanser. Again, those are water-based and they don't have oil. And if a client is using oil cleanser with oily skin, that's just adding more oil on their skin and it's doing more harm than good. And it's not going to balance out that water-oil ratio, okay? Again, it does need exfoliation just because all that excess oil is building on top of the skin, making it harder for all those products to penetrate into the skin. That's why we need more exfoliation. Um, The skin will appear thicker and sallow. Blemishes and comedones are common. Comedones are black and white heads. Open are black and closed are white heads. Okay, so... Then we have the Fitzpatrick scale. We have Fitz types one through six. Um, a little bit of background on the Fitzpatrick scale. It was developed by Dr. Thomas Fitzpatrick. It's used to measure the skin type's ability to tolerate sun exposure. It is beneficial when determining treatments and products for clients. The scale is just a guideline. Okay. So we have skin type one which is pale to very fair skin, red or blonde hair, light-colored eyes may have freckles. And they normally always burn, they never tan, high risk of skin cancer and vascular damage. Type 2, I'm type 2, I feel like that's really common. They are fair skin, light eyes and light hair, burns easily, rarely tans, high risk of skin cancer and vascular damage. Then we have type 3, fair skin, medium to dark hair, Eye color may vary and sometimes burns, tans gradually, risk of hyper and hypopigmentation, moderate risk of skin cancer and vascular damage. Then we have type 4, light brown to tan skin, dark hair and eyes. They rarely burn but tan easily, high risk of hyper and hypopigmentation, scars really easily, moderate risk of vascular damage. Type 5, Dark skin, dark eyes, dark hair. Skin darkens but never burns. Higher risk of hyper and hypopigmentation. High risk of scarring. Moderate risk of vascular damage. Low risk of aging and skin damage from sun exposure. And then we have type 6. Very dark skin, dark eyes, dark hair. Tans easily but never burns. Very high risk of hyper and hypopigmentation. High risk of scarring, moderate risk of vascular damage, low risk of aging and skin damage from sun exposure. Type 4 and above normally have really oily skin, and oily skin prevents aging. Okay, so normally when you see mature skin, they have really dry skin, which lacks oil, and that helps aid the... Um, aging process to happen on those drier skin types. So those people that have oily skin, they are blessed in some ways just because, you know, it takes longer for them to age. Or sorry, did I say that right? 
I don't remember. Just like people with oilier skin types age less quickly and then the opposite with dry. Okay. So again, if I, um, what is it called? Butcher this word. I am sorry. There is also a glogu scale, which evaluates photo damage, which is also sun damage. We have type one through type four. Type one is minimal to no wrinkles ages 20 to 30. Type two, wrinkles visible while in motion, moderate photo aging or sun aging, light keratosis age 30 to 40. Type three, wrinkles visible at rest, advanced photo aging, hyperpigmentation, cuparous keratosis age 40 to 50. And type four, predominant wrinkles, severe photo aging, severe scarring, not age specified. So that can happen anytime. And then we have the Rubin classification of photo damage. It is, let me see, it's um, level one through three. Level one, superficial pigment and changes in epidermis. Level two, changes in the epidermis and papillary dermis, actinic keratosis. Level three, shows deeper changes down to the reticular dermis. Skin looks leathery and shows severe sun damage. Depth of skin changes or damage. That's just another point. And then diverse skin pigmentation. It has a lot to do with your ethnicity, darker skin, and black skin. With ethnicity, it can happen very highly to blacks, Hispanics, Asians, and Native American all have different amounts of melanin. Darker skin has more melanin than lighter Caucasian skin types. They are more likely to have hyperpigmentation. Black skin does not age as quickly, again, it's because of the oil, but still needs protection from the sun damage. Everyone needs protection from sun damage, and everyone needs to wear their SPF. SPF is your BFF. And I know I get it. It's hard to apply every, every two hours. I have issues with it still, so I'm not perfect, and you don't have to be either, so it's okay. Okay, continuing on with the diverse skin pigmentation. Asian skin is highly sensitive, has great elasticity and firmness, does not show signs of aging as quickly as Caucasian skin. I have found that Caucasian skin is more dry, so that's probably why. Lightening treatments, age spots, increase problems. So they do need lightening treatments, Asian skin. For care and precautions, similar treatments apply to ethnic, native, American, Indian, and Hispanic skin. So for skin conditions, common skin conditions are adult acne, actinic keratosis, aging from sun damage, problems resulting from hormonal fluctuations. A lot of client concerns can be dehydration, pigmentation, disorders, rosacea. Other concerns are like comedones, open and closed, redness, hyperkeratinization, sensitivity, and aging. Factors that affect the skin. Again, these are high, high factors that affect the skin. Habits, diet, stress all play a part in a person's health and ultimately affect the skin's appearance. Smoking can actually cause asphyxiated skin and it looks very dull and dehydrated and lacks life. Okay, so make sure to be aware of what can affect the skin and helps determine why the client may be experiencing problems. 
knowledge of healthy habits and enemies of the skin gives us a better understanding of how to address client concerns. Again, knowing education and like ingredients of products will help you become more trustworthy. So internal factors, stress, lifestyle, and attitude. Those are three of the main ones. Stress would be like hormonal imbalances, menopause, and pregnancy. Lifestyle would be dehydration, vitamin deficiencies, improper nutrition, alcohol, caffeine, lack of exercise, lack of sleep, and medications. Attitude, negativity resulting in stress. Negativity actually can cause a lot of damage, which is unfortunate, but I get it. It makes sense. And then we have external factors. Again, huge list. Sun damage, environmental exposure, sun lamps and tanning beds, poor maintenance, product misuse, allergies and reactions, photosensitivity to sun caused by medications or products. So UV is a proven carcinogen. UV suppresses the immune system. UV causes eye damage. Minimal urethemal dose. Dosage equals intensity X or times the time. Urethema is redness and the result of cell damage in blood vessel dilation in the dermis. So the difference between UVA and UVB wavelengths, UVA is aging rays. They are longer wavelengths, penetrates deeper into the dermis. That's how we lose our elastin and collagen because those collagen and elastin fibers are in the dermis. Less energetic because of the lower frequency. UVB, burning rays, they are shorter wavelengths, they are stronger, they deliver more energy, and you can feel them once you go outside. You can feel them as they hit the skin because they have a higher frequency. UVA affects the dermis, collagen, and elastin once again causes DNA damage from free radicals leading to skin cancer. UVB, main cause of sunburns tanning, skin aging, and cancer. More on UVA. Dominant cause of tanning, wrinkling, and premature aging. Tanning beds use UVA light and have 23 times the doses of sun, which equals to 12 times the amount of damage and aging. Crazy. UVB, stronger in U.S. during the summer. UVB exposure is doubled when reflected by snow or ice and is greater in higher altitudes. That's why when you go skiing or snowboarding, you are more likely to get a sunburn when those areas of your skin is not protected by sunscreen. But it's crazy. UVA and UVB actually are doubled when reflected by snow or even water. Um, I can go on another spiel about that, but that is crazy how that happens because when you're inside and there's no sun, you're still getting those aging rays penetrated into your skin because those UVA wavelengths are longer. So again, wear sunscreen when you're inside and you have windows because those wavelengths are still getting you. I know, crazy, mind-blowing fact. Cray, cray, cray. So... Um, I was watching actually this Glymed webinar and it said anything above an SPF 30 is not really regulated by the FDA. That's what I heard, but, um, makes sense. But again, I could be wrong, but they were saying that, excuse me. Um, they were saying that SPF 15 
It covers about 93.3% of the sun exposure. And then SPF 30 covers 96.7%. So not really a whole big difference. They're only 3%, but again, it's still really important to use a different product aside from your moisturizer that contains sunscreen because again, that ingredient within that moisturizer is not the primary one. And that's why we want a single other product using, using usage for sunscreen. Avoid exposure during peak hours. Peak hours would be like noon in the U.S. Apply liberally after swimming. Also, yep, that makes me think about another thing. I'm probably going to forget about the other one, what it's called. But waterproof, water-resistant sunscreens do not exist. Even if it says apply 30 minutes before swimming, that is a lie. Okay? They, that is not a thing. It is not going to be waterproof once it is in the water. It's going to just come on off. Dude, don't you see like a lot of time when you're swimming, you wait 30 minutes and then you see all that oil come off? Yeah, that's your sunscreen. Just so you know. It's crazy. Um, with, again, sunscreen use, use full or broad spectrum sunscreens because that covers both UVA and UVB. Okay, so the difference between... Mineral sunscreen and chemical. With mineral, when you apply it to your skin, when those wavelengths hit your skin, it's going to be like a mirror. So those rays are bouncing off your skin. Okay. And then for chemical, they absorb into the skin, but they are, what is it called? What's it called? What's it called? I'm losing it. What's it called? They are neutralized. My bad. Okay. Avoid exposure for children under six months of age. Wear hats and protective clothing. Remember, UVA comes through the clouds and glass. So wear sunglasses. Avoid tanning beds. Tanning beds are the worst for you, you guys. So beware of medications the client is taking. Again, medications is something super important that you should know because it could make them photosensitive by certain products. Many medications and topical products are photosensitizers that make people more sensitive to sun exposure or even light exposure. Medications can cause reactions such as burning, hyperpigmentation, and allergic reactions. So here's some, here are some healthy habits for the skin. Proper home care, which is like antioxidants, which is vitamin C, vitamin A, vitamin B, peptides, Lipids, AHAs are very beneficial, which are alpha hydroxy acids. Personal care, which is like good diet, vitamins, water intake, regular exercise. Positive thinking that actually decreases premature aging. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. And then healthy food, which is again in the good diet, but you also need to be taking like eating berries, citrus fruits, and polyphenol antioxidants. So some contraindications would be like certain diseases, disorders, or irritations. Use of blood thinners or Accutane. Accutane is actually a huge one for most services. You can't get, if a client has been using Accutane for, uh, let's say, it's been six months since they've last used it, they can't do it until it's been a year. Again, we want to make sure. We don't want any liabilities, okay? Pregnancy is a huge one. Um, the only one that I know that pregnancy is 
okay for is like dermaplaning and some waxing. A lot of other ones are not like good. And then we have allergies, seizures, epilepsy, metal bone pins or plates in the body for like, what's it called? Microcurrent. Pacemakers or heart irregularities. Use of oral steroids or diabetes. Autoimmune diseases such as lupus. And then we'll go on more on that too. I have a lot of information, you guys. A lot of information to share and I love it. And then we have client consultation forms. Client questionnaire obtains lifestyle and history information. Release form releases liability of practitioner and establishment prior to service. Client chart includes skin analysis and record of all the esthetician's notes, what products and treatments were used in recommendation home care regimen. Um, client questionnaire, once again, that's a consultation form. Release forms allows you to do the service and whatever question you ask and they don't give answers to, that is not on you. That is on them. That's, again, part of the release form. Again, having a recommended home care regimen is very important because you want them to be using professional-grade products instead of drugstore because they don't have the ingredients or stabilized ingredients as those professional used ones. Consultation, uh, like example questions would be like, do you have any allergies? Why are you here? What are your skin concerns? What products do you use at home? Have you had treatments before? Is this a normal state for your skin? Or like, how does your skin feel at different times of the day? Asking like sensitivity questions, like are you, um, is your skin... um, uh, what is it? I, I'm losing it. I'm losing it. I lose a lot of words. Oftentimes it's okay. Like, do you have any sensitivities to fragrance? Cause fragrance is a huge thing. And when you're doing a skin analysis, you need to make sure you teach your client what you are doing. Products and ingredients, different types of services, home care regimen, Accurate skin analysis, like knowing their skin type, condition, and the factors affecting the skin's health enables you to giving an accurate skin analysis, and they will trust you more. They will be more like saying, oh my gosh, this person knows what she's saying, or he's saying, and I'm going to come back to you. Clients know when you're BSing them, you guys. They know when those when you, their questions are being BSed, okay? So just know that, okay? So skin analysis checklist, skin type, check pore size and oil distribution, conditions present, note comedones, capillaries, pigmentation, sun damage, and other conditions, appearance, dry, clear, oily, red, or irritated, texture, rough, smooth, dehydrated, or firm. Um, what else? Let's see. I feel like that's it. No, yeah, that's great. Yeah, again, make sure your consultation analysis are there in your questionnaires. Because once again, that will tell the client if you guys are worth going to be seen. Does that make sense? No. Um, worth like going back to. Because again, your knowledge about products and services for especially their skin types, that will tell them if you are worth it. And you guys are worth it, 100%. Just do your homework. It's not that hard. Go purchase some skincare books, you guys. I love my skincare books. I have so many. And if you guys want a list of how many I have and what I um, 
what I have purchased and what is worth it. Again, I'm going to probably say all of them are worth it, but because they all pretty much have some of the same information. But again, that's like two or three witnesses saying that that's true and that is true. So it's beautiful, you guys. I love it. But anyways, if you guys have any more questions about skin analysis, just let me know. Okay. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe to this podcast and go follow me on Instagram at the underscore smooth kitty to gain more education about skin, skincare, and content on waxing. If you have any more questions, please feel free to reach out. See you next time.